God's Word to Romans chapter 11 tonight, the end of Romans chapter 11 is where we'll begin, and also to Article 1 of the Belgian Confession, page 855, the back of the hymnal. We're looking at the attributes of God, the nature of God, the attributes of God now, and we are looking at his perfect wisdom tonight. Just remind us of what that article says as it summarizes what we believe concerning the only true God. We all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we call God. Eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, And good, and the overflowing source of all good. And looking at Romans chapter 11, the verses 33 to 36, where we read, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments! And how inscrutable, how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul's doxology there is on the heels of the description of God's electing, his sovereign electing love, and certainly that displays his unsearchable wisdom. Tonight we want to look at other aspects of his wisdom tonight uh, as we look at this matter of God's complete wisdom. The Bible tells us that God possesses all knowledge and all power, and it is Necessary for him to possess all wisdom in order to direct his omniscience and his omnipotence to their good end. There's a tremendous comfort in knowing that our all-powerful, all-knowing God is also our all-wise God. Sometimes we take those terms, knowledge and wisdom, and make them interchangeable. Well, they're not. The knowledge of God and the wisdom of God are not interchangeable Divine knowledge deals with God's possession of all facts, all all facts about everything and everyone. The wisdom of God deals with the best use of that knowledge for the highest goal. How does God use what he knows? We know a lot of people who know a lot of things, but they don't execute wisely. They may be extremely Smart, we say, very intelligent, and yet they don't exercise wisdom. And it's more than just common sense, although there's an aspect of that when we're talking about what we know and how we use it. But the idea of of wisdom, we want to look at what that word uh, in particular means in just a, a few moments. But God executes his plan and design wisely, flawlessly. The psalmist says, in wisdom, God has made everything. In wisdom. Paul says that God's wisdom is so deep and multidimensional that it is unsearchable. 
It is impossible for us to know the depths of it, and yet God reveals a measure of it to us so that we might stand in awe of him, that we might be comforted by the fact that he is all-knowing and wise in the way that he takes that knowledge and uses it. The internet today makes us think that we're all pretty knowledgeable people. If we have something in question, we just ask Google and I hope nobody's phone goes off at that point. We just ask Google and and there comes the facts. There we have the the information right at our fingertips and we think, well, boy, we know so much. We way more than those people in the past. Well, it's one thing to to look up information, to have information at the, at the end of your arm there in your hand and your phone, but it's another thing than to use it wisely. We have a lot of experts today in many areas because they take in all kinds of information, but their knowledge doesn't make them wise. All it really takes us, all it really takes is for us to look at a particular area a bit more deeply, not just have a broad knowledge, but to, to look more deeply in, in particular areas where we're trying to study to realize that we, we don't understand all of the, the ins and outs of each of these particular areas. Many of us have just enough knowledge to be dangerous, to sound like we know what we're talking about. We hear that today from many of the talking heads, many of the so-called experts today, but there is such complexity when we look more deeply that really what it calls for is humility. When we see just how complex the world is and how detailed each part of our lives personally, but also nationally and internationally, it ought to lead us to humility. God, God knows all perfectly and has perfect wisdom. Wisdom is necessary for God to accomplish all things for the highest good. Now, there's where I want to ask the question as we're talking about what wisdom is. What is the highest good? What is the highest good? Now, we, we all know this, but we don't think about it. The highest good is what Paul just told us, God's glory. Now, that's important because we can have all kinds of knowledge, but if we aren't executing it wisely, if we're not executing what we know to God's glory, then we're just displaying that we have a lot of information, but we don't really understand that what we learn is to be used to make much of God. Now, we don't have to be told that that's a problem today. As I've just been rehearsing, we have all kinds of knowledge and all kinds of connectivity. We can have conversations with people in all kinds of disciplines and all kinds of industries all around the world at the, at the tap of a button, and yet how weak we are when it comes to executing things wisely. Paul says this is where wisdom rests. When we can say, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To God alone be the glory. That's wisdom. If we learn a lot of information and we don't see how it teaches us more about God and leave us more in amazement of his design, then we have not gained wisdom. We've gained 
facts. We've gained information. And even today, we don't know what's fact and what's not. Because there's a lot of stuff in the background that's driving agendas, and there aren't just straight facts, it seems. When people take what they find and twist it, when they twist God's design, they only show how unwise they are. When people, Paul says, claim to be wise apart from God, they become fools. Romans chapter 1. When people exchange the truth about God for lies, they worship themselves and not God, who is true and the end of all inquiry. Romans 1.25. Tonight I've given you a number of points there in your sermon outline. They come from Steve Lawson's book entitled, Show Me Your Glory, on the wisdom of God. We're going to look at different aspects of God's wisdom tonight as we think about Uh, God in his glory. First aspect of God's wisdom is God is discerning. He possesses penetrating understanding in every, to every life and to every situation. He governs all creation. He perceives every situation for what it truly is. Lawson says he never misreads any individual or circumstance. He never misreads any individual or circumstance. There is no one who can say that but God. Think about that. Think about the size of our government and how it's increasing and and the more global we become, how many more people need to be on staff, how many more people need to be on committees and all these experts get together and they talk and they're sharing the information and what does history show us as these things come and go? We reflect and we say, boy, we really screwed that up. We really messed that up. How could we be so far off on that? We had all these people together. We had all these people looking at this and investigating this. And, and boy, we, we just missed the mark completely. How often doesn't history show us that, if we're honest? That though we have a lot of people coming together and a lot of information shared, if we are living for ourselves and taking that information and, and trying to process it through our own way of seeing the world, We're going to miss the mark. We're going to try to create some new utopia, and it's going to look like an idol factory. God has all knowledge and discerns all things. He never misreads any individual or circumstance. He has created every individual. He knows the world perfectly and how things are to be carried out perfectly. Well, now we think about it on the international scale, maybe the national scale, think about it a little bit closer to home. Parents, what about parenting? Every child is different, right? You can tell one child one thing and it works, and, and you tell the other child the, the, that, that same thing, and it just doesn't work. And you think, oh, I thought, I thought they were all going to be the same. I thought this plan was going to just work out for all of them. And we need discernment. It's not easy to know what to do in every situation. Young people, when you're, when you're thinking about 
the decisions before you, as you get older, decisions grow and, and, and they become more complex. And that's not to, that's not to discourage you, but it's to, to lay out an appropriate humility. What do, we, what do we do in that situation? Well, we go to God. I don't understand how to, how to work in this situation. What is it you want me? I, I know how you've designed things. Now, how am I to interact with that? How am I to then take what I know and live in such a way that you'll be honored and glorified? Remember what, what we've heard already tonight. God comes near to those who are humble and contrite in heart. We have an all-wise God who says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and I will give generously. I want you to understand how things work, and I want you to live for my glory. I want you to see the world as I have created it so that you might see my glory and your good, which is obedience to me and to my word. Wisdom is following God's command and design. Acting wisely is making much of God, glorifying him. At decision points in life, ask yourself, what action would bring most glory to God? How could I show that I'm depending upon God, that I want God's God's will for my life in this? What is the glory of God in this? We can only see that in part, but that is how we move forward. That is the wise way to proceed. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, to submit yourself to the Lord. He is discerning, perfectly discerning. He knows. And we can go to him and he will, he will grant us wisdom generously. Second, God is strategic. Not only does God perceive circumstances for what they truly are, but he's also strategic in making the best, again, we're using Herman, uh, human terminology here, we, just to get our heads around it, to in making the best choice from the various options before him. Now, we, we have to use those terms, although God knows all things perfectly at all times. He exercises perfect judgment in selecting the best means to reach the greatest good. And I just remind you again, the highest end of divine wisdom is that the greatest glory be brought to God. That helps us begin to understand why God does things the way he does them. Paul says, all things which are done are done in wisdom to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, verses 6 and 8. He does all things such a way in wisdom to the praise of his glory. What is his strategy then? What's his, what's his end game, if you will? Again, we're talking with human terms here. It is to bring glory to himself. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And we, we kind of trip over that, don't we? When we think, well, why does God need to... Well, is he like starved for some attention? or what, is, is, Why does he need that glory? He doesn't need that glory, but he, it is his glory. It is to his glory. When we live, we are to live to his glory in his way. That is the way of wise living when the world says, I don't, I don't really care to glorify God. They've chosen a foolish path because they want to serve another God. And the end, what does the scripture tell us? The end is death. 
There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, that way is death. Proverbs 14, 12. God's strategy, God's direct, his wisdom has that strategy, that, that end goal of, of leading us to look to him and to bring him glory because he is life. So his wisdom deals with both the means and the ends. Well, third, God is skillful. Because God is all wise, we would expect that everything he does would display great skill, and it does. The psalmist, when the psalmist says, how manifold are your works, in wisdom you made them all. He's marveling at the skill of God in creation. Everything works together. In wisdom, he created macro and micro, the, the large and the small. Look at the universe and how he created the universe. We could, we could talk about the size of the Milky Way galaxy and the hundred billion stars in the galaxy. And, and then upon the astronomer's study, they say, well, there's as many galaxies beyond the Milky Way as there are stars in our own galaxy. And just our galaxy is 10,000 light years across, I think, if I, if I read that right, if I got my information right. That's just mind-boggling. Because the kids here can tell you how fast light travels, and that's a lot of distance. God made that. The Bible says, just very simply, Psalm 8, he made the stars. <laughs> billions and billions and trillions of them. He's skillful. He says, look, look to the sky. Who has made all these things? And that's all chance. It probably just it just came from some big bang, and you know, we're just we're just here. We just happen to be observing it, just happen to be right here in the right spot in the Milky Way galaxy, right distance from the sun, 93 million miles, but we didn't know that, but that's what it is. And not not too far away, so it's too cold, not too close so that we burn up, and, and the and the atmosphere helps us grow things and it's God's, God's wise design on display, his skill. I think about the human body, come a little smaller. It speaks of the intelligent, skillful design of God's wise creation. Your heart beats about 100,000 times a day, about 40 million times a year. Beats about 3 billion times in the average person's lifetime. Our lungs inhale over 2 million liters of air every day without even without us even thinking about it. The surface area of the lungs is approximately the same size as a tennis court. On average, you breathe 23,000 times a day. You take about 600 million breaths during your lifetime. Average adults made up of 100 trillion cells. Each cell in your body, this, amongst other things, blew me away. Each cell in your body has an estimated 6 to 8 feet of DNA. Each cell... How does it all fit in there? Total length of your circulatory system stretches 60,000 miles, more than twice the distance around the earth. There's more. The average adult is made up of 100... I said that one already. This One square inch of skin, in one square inch of skin, there are four yards of nerve fibers, 600 pain sensors, 1,300 nerve cells, 9,000 nerve endings, 36 heat sensors. I don't know how they figured this all out, but I'm just going by the information. 75 pressure sensors, 100 sweat glands, 3 million cells, and 3 yards of blood vessels. One square inch of skin. 
There are nearly 45 miles of nerves running through our bodies. Your body has about six quarts of blood. These six quarts of blood circulate through the body three times every minute. One day, the blood travels a total of 12,000 miles. One day, it's four times the distance across the U.S. from coast to coast. We have over 600 muscles in our bodies. You exercise at least 30 of them when you smile. During the first month of life, the number of connections or synapses dramatically increases from 50 trillion to 1 quadrillion. If an infant's body grew at a com- comparable rate, his weight would increase, be ready for from 8.5 pounds at birth to 170 pounds at one month old. I'm still not there yet. The big toe is actually one of the most important elements within the body. It balances the skeleton, enables a person to move forward. Without it, we'd fall over. The psalmist says, You, O Lord, formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139. To be sure. Well, next, God is astute. In wisdom, God rightly calculates every situation, selecting the best path. He never acts wrongly. The wisdom of God is seen in his brilliant management of the affairs of providence. He's always working to cause all things, whether good or evil, to work together for good. He's alert to everything that's happening. There's nothing that catches him by surprise, nothing that he says, oh, I, I didn't know that, or I don't know how to respond to that. I'm not sure what to do. He doesn't go to anyone else and say, can you give me some counsel on this? Can you give me some some wisdom? I don't really know what I should do. That's the third time that person's done that. That's the thousandth time that person. What should I do? He acts wisely. He is astute. There's nothing beyond him that controls him. He's aware of all the, as we would call them, variables, and he accomplishes his perfect plan. Sovereign over all things, having a plan for these things. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Fifth, God is contrary. God's wisdom often works in ways that seem counterintuitive to us. But God is clear that he delights to show his glory. There it is again. He delights to show his glory in these things, in doing things that press us to think more deeply about him and his ways. He uses what the world perceives to be foolish to accomplish his eternal purposes. The foolishness of the cross is that which confounds the wisdom of this world. Listen to how Paul speaks of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to just read those verses. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 25. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. 
For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The world thinks it understands what we most need, what is our highest priority, and God says, I have declared to you what you most need, and I have provided it if you would humble yourselves before me. I will give you an understanding of my ways. God's ways are above our ways. In weakness, Christ conquered. This was in keeping with God's wise plan, according to Acts chapter 2. His thoughts are above our thoughts, Isaiah 55, yet he works out all things. However, contrary to our way of thinking, he works out all things in perfect wisdom to magnify his glory. Sixth, God is mysterious. The wisdom of God is mysterious. He's chosen to withhold many divine mysteries from us. Deuteronomy 29, we read, The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that the Lord has revealed belong to us and to our children. We're to talk about who God is. We're to talk about how wise he is and the way that he works, not only in creation, but in redemption and and in the, the plans that he has for the world. We're to humble ourselves before him, not being led astray by the rebelliousness of those around us, not rebelling in our own hearts, saying, well, I don't want it to be this way. I want it to be some, some other way. Rather, we are to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, and say, thus says the Lord, and to live then according to that, and to say, this is the way the Lord has made it, and therefore I will. I will submit to this way and know that it is good. We don't always know how God will carry out his sovereign will, but we know that in it he will be glorified. Job's case in point, there he is being tested by the devil. He has no idea. He never finds out. Read the whole whole book if you don't believe me. He never finds out. He just, I don't know. But what he learns in the end is that he can trust God, that he can submit to God, and that God cannot be contradicted as though he were somehow making mistakes. As though somehow he overlooked something that was in Job or overlooked something that was in the world. Job never learns about that invisible warfare that's taking place and yet ultimately it leads him in God's glorious plan to bring Job to trust him more through the mystery. God says he hides his wisdom from the wise and intelligent, those who claim to be wise in themselves. They say, I don't need God. I have another way. He hides his wisdom from the wise and intelligent and reveals it to the infants, to those who are contented in him. Religious leaders of Jesus' day did not have the understanding of so many of the people around them, for in pride they were blind to God's ways. God says, submit to me, to my gospel of grace, and not to your own knowledge, and you will gain a heart of wisdom. That's no mystery. 
Finally, God is unfathomable. Wisdom of God far far exceeds human comprehension. David says in Psalm 103, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. What David is saying is his grace is beyond our ability to grasp. We can look into it. We can continue to ponder it and say, I I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't get to the bottom of it. The fathomless depth of God's wisdom is best seen in the cross. Where God reveals his wisdom. That is how Paul speaks of it. He says that Christ is wisdom from God. Because of God, not because of ourselves, because of God, 1 Corinthians 1.30, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If we're going to speak and, and sing praises to anyone, it must be to God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. God alone be the glory. What a comfort to know that this all-powerful, all-knowing God is all-wise. He acts with perfect wisdom. He can be thoroughly trusted. Steve Lawson says this in his chapter on the wisdom of God. He, that is God, never misdirects us onto the wrong path. He never gives us the wrong counsel when we are at a loss to know what to do. He never has to consult a third party to formulate the best plan for our lives. God always knows what is the best course for us to take. He always chooses the right path for us to pursue. Again, we use human terms about choices and these sorts of things. This is all before God, always, eternally. But it helps us understand what is being said. God will not fail us. God will lead powerfully with all knowledge and with perfect wisdom. And though we may not understand it, we turn to him with praise. For he is worthy of all our praise. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are reminded again in just a short message tonight of your power, your knowledge, your wisdom. And we, we, O Lord, who know so many facts, so many things, and are learning so many things every day. We stand amazed and we're humbled before you. For though we receive information, we do not have that wisdom as you have. Yours is a perfect wisdom, and so we come to you asking for wisdom in all of the situations and challenges in our lives. Many of us have decisions to make this week or Situations before us which cause us to to tremble or to fret, to become anxious. But you know the end from the beginning. And so we ask, Lord, grant us wisdom. Help us to live in such a way that you would be honored and glorified in our 
our reaction to what is before us and around us. Give us wisdom in our hearts that we might go forth with confidence, with peace, resting in you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who has opened that way for us to come to you, removing our sin, leading us to you, the fountain of all knowledge and wisdom. We pray that you would hear us and respond to us for his sake and for your glory. Amen. Number 224 is the song that we want to respond with. Immortal, invisible, God only wise is the one who has all wisdom. Let's stand to sing those three stanzas of number 224. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to look into your word, and we trust that by your spirit we would gain a measure of understanding and grow in wisdom, wanting to bring you honor and glory. We pray for those institutions which instruct future ministers and church workers like Westminster Theological Seminary in California. We pray for their endeavors that from that work that faculty puts in and the students put in that they would be led by your spirit to want to go forth and speak of your wonder and your splendor that many would come to humble themselves before you and want to live for you. We ask that you would hear our prayers as we give them along with these financial offerings. Amen.
stand together as we confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 852. As we think upon our God, as we go forth confessing him. Christian, what is it you believe? We say it together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Dear people of God, the Lord watches over you. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And he sends you forth With this blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen.